Hello, and welcome to One World, One Health, where we take a look at some of the biggest problems facing our world. I'm Maggie Fox. This podcast is brought to you by the One Health Trust with bite-sized insights into ways to help address challenges such as infectious diseases, climate change, and pollution. We take a One Health approach that recognizes that everything on this planet, the animals, plants and people, and the climate and environment are all linked. Drug-defying superbugs are everywhere, on every continent, infecting people in operating rooms, in the streets, in their homes, and in their food. They directly kill more than a million people a year and contribute to the deaths of close to 5 million people a year. What if those infections could be prevented? Well, they can, both with better infection control measures, but also with vaccines. Vaccines can protect people from getting infected in the first place and from spreading germs. And people who don't get sick are far less likely to take antibiotics at all, let alone to use them inappropriately. The One Health Trust has a new report out showing just how well a good vaccine program can work to prevent the spread of drug-resistant bacteria and viruses. One example, vaccinating babies against typhoid could prevent more than 53 million cases of drug-resistant typhoid fever in low- and middle-income countries over 10 years. In this episode, we're chatting with Dr. Erta Kalanchi, lead author of the report and fellow and director of partnerships at the One Health Trust. Erta, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Maggie. So nice to be here today. Were you surprised by your findings that vaccines can work so well to help prevent the spread of these bad germs? So we are not entirely surprised because we have been working on this for quite some time. At One Health Trust, There, we have been doing a lot of projects that either try to collect evidence on this connection between vaccines and drug resistance or projects that uh, bring awareness to the connection. So in that regard, we are, we're not surprised, but we are happy to be able to actually quantify this connection and share it with others, with other stakeholders, other actors that are involved. What are some of the things you highlight in the report? So some of the things that we talk about in the report include these additional benefits or this value of vaccines, which has been understood but poorly quantified previously. So there's been a lot of evidence coming up in recent years that show that in addition to preventing infections in the first place, they have some additional impact that has not been well quantified before, such as, for example, the incidence of secondary infections, the reduction in drug use. And in addition to these health benefits that vaccines have, we also have a really important impact in the economy. Because by preventing infections that are resistant to current treatment, vaccines actually save us a lot of money. That's because drug-resistant infections take longer to treat, complicate, the treatments are more complex, and so they provide this financial burden to both the patients, their families, but also to the healthcare system. Vaccinations can have a huge impact, especially in the infant population or in children. So in addition to, to preventing infections that you can treat easily, these drug-resistant infections, which can be more dangerous for children under five, they can be avoided as well by vaccines. And we try to bring this point forward because it's important to also understand the impact that vaccination has for vulnerable populations. 
So for example, if you have a, a neonate or a preterm infant that, that has to stay in a hospital for treatment and they contract a drug-resistant infection there, it is harder to treat this group of the population than others. So this is, we're trying to make a point that vaccination is very important, and especially in vulnerable populations such as um, young children, the elderly, and others. Are you worried about the effect that the COVID pandemic has had on vaccination rates? Yes. Although that is starting to get better now, what we have seen, and we show this also in the data that we compiled in the report, is that COVID-19 led to a significant decline in um, vaccination coverage rates. So I have to also emphasize that we've been talking about low and middle income countries uh, in the report. And so those were the ones that were also uh, quite affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. So imagine healthcare systems that are already stretched, are being overburdened. And this happened all over the world. But in these countries, the effects were, uh, were even greater. So what happened is that a lot of the resources had to be diverted to to deal or to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. And there were many routine healthcare services, such as immunization, that were not prioritized. And so these disruptions led to a decline in infant immunization, for example. And those are effects that can be seen a few years later. And they have been seen because you can see an increase in vaccine-preventable diseases in many countries. And that's because of this missed opportunities uh, for vaccination, which happened because people were afraid to go to the hospital. Many were being isolated at home or healthcare services uh, couldn't get to people. So immunization workers couldn't get um, to where they were supposed to get. There were shortages. Hospitals were closed. I mean, these are there are a variety of factors that contributed to this. So it's worrisome. It's starting, but you can see that the rates are starting to go back up. However, I do wonder about this vaccine hesitancy in the adult population. Yeah, you've got to be worried about this growing mistrust of vaccines, which is looking global. Yes. So I think vaccines uh, have never been in the spotlight as in recent years because many people think of vaccines that are for children because the majority of vaccines usually are administered within the two, three years of life. But um, now we had adults getting vaccinated and there are many issues that came up and a lot of hesitancy and distrust. What I think it's important to remember is that vaccination has been a tool that has saved lives for millions of lives uh, for many years. So it's important to remember the benefits and weigh them against these uncertainties that were presented by the COVID-19 pandemic because vaccinations are also different. So the vaccine for COVID-19 is not the same as the vaccines that are administered to infants. And so it's important for the public to uh, be aware of these differences when they make decisions for themselves and for their family. What do you mean by the difference? It's, it's different from the childhood vaccines. What do you mean by that? Well, the COVID-19 vaccine that we have available right now, they don't necessarily prevent, you know, contracting the disease, but they're not effective in that way. But they reduce the, the severity of disease and sometimes the symptoms are reduced because of that. And so transmission is less. But overall, just having a COVID-19 vaccine does not guarantee you never, ever contracting covid Whereas there are some other vaccines that children take in their first two to three years of life that are supposed to be effective for a very long time. Oh, you're talking like the difference between COVID vaccine and the measles vaccine, for instance, which absolutely protects you from even catching measles in the first place. 
Exactly. So you have many diseases that before either led to children's death or paralysis and a lot of morbidity and mortality that these diseases are now under control in many countries. And that's solely because of the, the vaccination. Can we talk a little bit about the mechanism by which vaccines help reduce the use of antibiotics and antivirals? So thank you for asking that question, because I think that's exactly what um, sort of explains the relationship between vaccination and drug resistance. That's a point that we try to make in the report. So the obvious impact of vaccination is that vaccines will uh, reduce the incidence of infections. But we also have secondary infections that are avoided. We have um, the avoidance of both infections that are susceptible, but also not susceptible to drugs, so resistant infections. And so another impact or impact of vaccines is the reduction in the need for treatment in the first place. <laughs> when you don't get sick, you don't need to take antibiotics. And in some cases, even when you don't get sick with a flu, for example, or a viral disease, you avoid antibiotics, which often are given to people because they get the secondary infections. So, for example, if you get the flu vaccine, the chances are that you also are not going to get treated with antibiotics because often when someone gets the flu, they also get other infections like upper respiratory infections, for example, which are of a bacterial origin. And so uh, people are treated with antibiotics after the flu because of that. In other cases, and in some countries like the ones we include in our report, because of lack of di diagnostics, antibiotics are administered for viral infections that appear to have the same symptoms as a bacterial infection. So that's a very important point. For example, high fever, febrile illnesses, the flu. The people that present with the flu, when they don't have the right tests or tools to determine if it's the flu or if it is uh, another uh, condition, then they often get prescribed antibiotics. Getting vaccines in the first place avoids you taking uh, drugs, but also taking them inappropriately or unnecessarily, if I may say. You handed at this, but does vaccination cost more or does it end up saving money over the long run? Vaccination is very cost effective and it does end up saving a lot of money in, in the long run. Uh, what's also good is that it's a short term solution for problems that can be long term for people. It's a tool that is already available. So that is one of the reasons why we urge policymakers to consider this additional value of, uh, of vaccination in, in treating drug-resistant infections and all the other associated costs that come with them because they are going to save a lot of lives and money at the end. What are some of the most useful vaccines? You have um, a lot of vaccines that are part of the immunization program, and we know them because we've got them, our children have got them, and there are some of these infant vaccines that are actually, that have also been demonstrated to have an impact on um, drug resistance. And to mention some of them, we have the measles vaccine, we have the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, we have the hemophilus influenza vaccine, and a very important one is also the typhoid vaccine. The typhoid vaccine is a vaccine that is not included in the routine immunization program for many countries, but it is very effective at um, reducing cases and deaths from typhoid and drug-resistant typhoid, especially in populations under five. 
Now, while this may not be a problem in rich countries, when you have um, in countries with low resources that have weak um, sanitation um, and hygiene infrastructure, this is very important because um, it's a vaccine that is going to make a tremendous impact. Erta, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Maggie, for having me. Listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. You can learn more about this podcast and other important topics at OneHealthTrust.org. And let us know what else you'd like to hear about at OWOH at OneHealthTrust.org. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to One World, One Health, brought to you by the One Health Trust. I'm Ramanan Lakshminarayan, founder and president of the One Health Trust. You can subscribe to One World, One Health on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at One Health Trust, One Word, for updates on One World, One Health, and the latest in research on One Health issues like drug resistance, disease spillovers, and the social determinants of health. Finally, please do consider donating to the One Health Trust to support this podcast and other initiatives and research that help us promote health and well-being worldwide. Until next time.